Um, let's pray. Our most gracious God and heavenly Father, you are so awesome and so big and so powerful and so wonderful that you think upon each and every one of us is, is just astounding to us that even the very hairs of our head are all numbered is more than we can comprehend. And yet your Lord, your, your word tells us that you care for us in, in uh, a multitude of ways. And we are so grateful for that. And Father, as we open your word and look into it and ponder this uh, portion of scripture, um, give me the words to say and uh, help us, Lord, to hear what it is that you have for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So if you could open up your Bibles with me and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles 22, we'll be looking at verse 19. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. I've been thinking about the heart quite a bit lately. In January, as some of you know, I suffered a mild heart attack that was brought on by a hypertensive crisis. Praise be to God that I didn't suffer any heart damage, but it certainly was a wake-up call to me um, to get my blood pressure under control for one thing, and and also um, has raised a, a very important question to me that I'm continuing to wrestle with. And that question is, what am I giving my heart to? Over the past few weeks, I've done much research and study into the physical aspects of the heart. Um, the heart is one of the body's most essential organs. The Minnesota Medical Training Services website has a very good analogy putting it this way. The heart is the generator for your body. Think of your body as a computer. Your brain is both the hard drive and the processor. It's where everything is stored, all programs, files, memory. But it's also what executes these actions, sending them through the rest of the system. The heart, however, is the power supply. And without the power supply, nothing else works. The system won't even turn on. Your heart creates actual electrical pulses that run through your body, supplying energy to everything. The thing is, if that power is turned off, everything doesn't just shut down. It starts to die. Your organs need a constant supply of blood and oxygen. When the heart stops, both of these processes start. And I read some very fascinating facts about the heart. The average heart is about the size of an adult fist in an adult and weighs less than one pound. Its functioning is controlled by the autonomic nervous system, which is a network of nerves that control our unconscious processes. We don't even have to think about it. Our heart just continues to pump blood 24 7, 365 for years and years on end, and ideally without ever stopping until we pass from this world. Electrical impulses produced in the heart itself controls the rhythm and the beating. Your heart will beat about 115,000 times each day, moving 2,000 gallons of blood throughout the entire body. In an average lifetime, the human heart will beat more than 2.6 billion times. That's billion with a B. 
If you were to stretch out all of your blood vessels, they would extend over 60,000 miles, able to circle the earth more than twice. These facts and figures, it just make it abundantly clear that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God's power is truly on display through the design and functioning of our heart. But more importantly, I've been thinking about the heart as it is spoken of in God's word. I find it absolutely astounding that the word heart is found 833 times in the Old and New Testament scriptures. The heart is described in a multitude of ways, but very, very rarely is it described in the sense of it as a, a, a physical functioning organ. God speaks of the iniquity and the hardness of a man's heart. Genesis 6.5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Exodus 7.14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. God also speaks of a wise heart. Exodus 36, 2, and Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, and everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. God also speaks of a rejoicing heart. 1 Samuel 2, 1, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. God speaks of a perfect heart. 1 Kings 8.61, let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. God speaks of a seeking heart. Our verse, for, uh, First uh, Chronicles 22.19, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. God speaks of a glad heart. Psalm 4, 7, thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. God tells us of the desires of our heart. Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And maybe one of the most powerful scriptures about the heart is that God speaks of us keeping or guarding our heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And there are dozens and dozens of attributes that are given to the heart in, the, in, in God's word. But what is the heart really, as defined in the scriptures? We don't have a real direct description but we have over 800 verses that we can use to get a clear picture of the human heart. I, I like what Isaac Ambrose, the great Puritan, wrote. Indeed, the heart is the chief monarch of this little world man, which rules and commands all other parts. It is the main wheel of the machine, which sets all the rest of the wheels going. It is the fountain of all our thoughts, words, and actions. As the heart is, so is the whole man. The heart really is the center of our being. Many have tried to say that the heart, as written 833 times in the Bible, is really referring to the mind. Um, some argue that the writers of the scriptures had an erroneous understanding of human physiology because the heart cannot think 
and it can't feel that all of our emotions actually originate from our brains. I have a hard time buying that. And so I went digging and I found some fairly recent scientific research, which shows that the heart is more than just a muscle pumping blood throughout our bodies. Allow me to read a couple excerpts from an article. We assume that the brain is controlling our emotions, but Professor David Patterson, PhD at Oxford University, disputes this. He says that the brain is not the only organ that produces emotions. This is because the heart actually contains neurons similar to those in the brain. And these fire in conjunction with the brain. The heart and the brain are therefore connected. When your heart receives signals from the brain via the sympathetic nerves, it pumps faster. And when it receives signals through the parasympathetic nerves, it slows down, says Patterson. Neurons are associated with thought processes in the brain but highly specialized ones have been found situated on the right ventricle surface. Health studies have proved that intense anger has an adverse effect on the heart, increasing the risk of a heart attack by five times. Intense grief is also extremely unhealthy. You are 21, more, 21 times more likely to have a heart attack the day immediately after you have lost a loved one. Studies have shown that people who have suffered prolonged stressful situations such as soldiers, combat veterans, doctors, they all have higher rates of heart problems than the rest of the population. I found that article fascinating. Um, I don't need science to prove to me that God's word is true in every detail, but I do find it very exciting when research and new research comes out and I don't want to use the word validates, but, uh, but, but, but uh, just is right in line with what scripture says. Now, back to the earlier question that I have been wrestling with, what am I giving my heart to? How much of my heart am I giving to God and how much am I giving to other pursuits, including work, entertainment, hobbies, the cares of this world? In his sermon titled, The Heart, A Gift for God, C.H. Spurgeon expanded Proverbs twenty-three twenty-six: My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Listen to what he says in a couple excerpts from his sermon. To take our hearts and give them up to God is the wisest thing that we can do. If we have done it before, we had better do it over again and hand over once more the sacred deposit into those dear hands, which will surely keep that which we commit to their guardian care. My son, give me thine heart. Wisdom prompts us to do it. For first, many others crave our hearts. And our hearts will surely go one way or other. Let us see to it that they do not go where they will be ruined. I will not read you the next verse, but many a man has lost his heart and soul eternally by the lusts of the flesh. He has perished through her that lieth in wait as, as for a prey and increaseth the transgressors among men. Happy is that young man whose heart is never defiled with vice. There is no way of being kept from impurity except by giving up the heart to the Holy Lord. In a city like this, the most pure-minded are surrounded with innumerable temptations, and many there are that slip with their feet before they are aware of it, being carried away because they have not time to think before the temptation has cast them to the ground. Therefore, my son, says wisdom, give me thine heart. 
Everybody will try to steal thy heart, therefore leave it in my charge. Then thou needest not fear the fascinations of the strange woman, for I have thy heart, and I will keep it safe unto the day of my appearing. It is most wise to give Jesus our heart, for seducers will seek after it. And he continues a little bit later in the sermon with this. And does he not deserve it? I am not going to use that argument because somehow if you press a man to give a thing, at last it comes not to be a gift, but a tax. Our consecration to God must be unquestionable in its freeness. Religion is voluntary or else false. If I shall prove that your heart is God's due, why then you will not give, but rather pay as though it were a debt. So I will touch that string very gently, lest in seeking to bring forth music, I snap the cord. I will put it thus, surely it were well to give a heart for a heart. There was one who came and took human nature on him and wore a human heart within his bosom. And that human heart was pressed full sore with sorrow till it is written that he wept. It was pressed still more with anguish till it is written, he sweat as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. He was still further overwhelmed with grief till at the last he said, reproach hath broken my heart and I am full of heaviness. And then it is written, one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. A heart was given for you. Will you not give your heart? I say no more. Brothers and sisters, we must all ponder daily what we are doing with our hearts. Day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, what are we giving our heart to? To whom does it belong? And as we come to his glorious throne today to lift up our voices, may we do as our verse commands us. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Amen.